Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to the very first episode of Germany in Focus, the local's new weekly podcast where we look back at some of the biggest news stories and talking points. We're recording this on Tuesday, September 27th. Today, we'll look at a court ruling that says employers in Germany have to formally record staff hours. We'll dig into Berlin's follow-up to the €9 public transport ticket and look at what we know so far about the nationwide ticket. We'll talk about Oktoberfest, which is back after a break due to the pandemic. And we're going to talk about Germany's love of beer festivals in general. Finally, we'll talk about the energy crisis in Germany, how the government is supporting people with rising bills and what you should be thinking about when you're putting on your heating this autumn. I'm Rachel Loxton, one of the editors at The Local Germany, and I'll be joined by our journalists and contributors, as well as experts and special guests throughout the series. Today, I'm with journalists Sarah McGill and Aaron Burnett in Berlin. And later, I'll also be talking to Nick Houghton, who writes about German and British culture and is the co-host of the Decades From Home podcast. Hello, everybody. Hello, Rachel. How are you today? Very well. I'm excited. There's a lot going on in Germany at the moment, and we're here to help make sense of it for our readers and listeners. So thank you for having us. Absolutely. Sarah, you're from London, and you've lived in Berlin for almost eight years. Do you like it here? I do. I mean, it's a bit of a love-hate relationship, if I'm perfectly honest, but I would say I'm more on the love side than the hate side. Well, that's good. That's good. (laughs) (laughs) Is there anything you really love about living here then? I love the cultural offers that the city has. I mean, any night of the week you want to do anything a bit weird, you can find plenty of events to go to. That's something you can't get anywhere else as far as I know. Definitely in Berlin, very weird place in a good way. Yeah. Aaron, you're from Western Canada. What brought you to Germany? I'm actually from a German family. Uh, My Oma and Opa moved to Canada in the 1950s, and I decided to come back for a couple of years for grad school and to get better at speaking German. And 11 years later, I'm, I'm still here. Fantastic. So we also have a nationwide holiday coming up for Germany. On Monday, October 3rd, it's German Unity Day or Tag der Deutschen Einheit. It's actually 32 years since East and West Germany were reunified. So this is a day where everyone in the country marks this this big anniversary. It's kind of got mixed feelings, this this holiday, doesn't it, for many people? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that people also from Eastern Germany, there's still some level of hard feeling there because a lot of people's lives were turned upside down when the wall came down. It wasn't all immediately just peachy. 
Well, I remember a very different sort of commemoration within my family. I know that my Oma and all of her friends uh, still, even years ago when I asked them about uh, reunification, still cried uh, tears of joy and remembered scenes of the wall falling on their television screens in Canada, for example. But October 3rd is commemorating the actual legal reunification of the country, not the wall coming down, which would be November 9th. So this is where it all really actually came in into force and happened almost a year later on October 3rd, 1990. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, there are some mixed feelings in Germany. One thing to remember is mostly all shops and businesses will be shut. So you've got to get your shopping on the Saturday and imagine it'll be very busy then. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> get there early. Yeah. Now, before we get into some of our news stories, let's talk about the German language. And no, we're not going to talk about grammar this time, you'll be pleased to know, but more about the German words that have slipped into our everyday English vocabulary. Sarah, what German words do you use more than the English words? So there are actually quite a lot. I have to, it's a bit of a struggle to cut down to the ones to talk about today. So one that I've chosen is the verb anmelden, which is quite handy because it has a few meanings in German, such as to register, to enroll or to log in on a website. And in German, it's actually a reflexive verb. So if you want to say, I have to register, in German, you say, ich muss mich anmelden, literally, I have to register myself. And so when I'm using this verb in English, I say things like, oh, I have to anmeld myself which is, you know, quite a messed up hybrid. Another word I like to use a lot is bescheinigung, mostly because it sounds nice, like bescheinigung is a, is a nice sounding word. Though its meaning is a little bit boring and formal, it's it's a word for certification. And it can also be added to the end of a lot of German words, like the beauty of the German language is you can shove a load of words together for a new meaning. So you get lovely words like Arbeitsunfähigkeitsbescheinigung, which mm. is in English, sick note, or Anmeldebescheinigung, which is the certification of registration, which combines my two favourite words. And you, you need a Bescheinigung for almost everything in Germany. So it's also just a very apt German word. And also when you were talking about Anmelden there, I was thinking, you know, everyone in Berlin, especially, is looking for a flat with Anmeldung, which means, you know, so you can register it. And it's so hard to get in Berlin because of the housing situation, isn't it? Yeah, it's. I mean, I'm extremely grateful that I found my flat three years ago. I, I really feel sorry for people looking for somewhere to live now. I think, as far as I understand, it's a nightmare. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a, it's a mess at the moment, <laughs> certainly. Back to our favorite words. Of course, you'll have uh, many Anmeldungbescheinigungs in your filing cabinet, hopefully at home. That's a very proper German thing is the love of bureaucracy and the love of papers. So your file folders with many Anmeldungbescheinigungs. For a few other words, most people know Schadenfreude, which is happiness at someone else's misfortune. But one of my personal favorites is Fremschämen, which basically means to be embarrassed for someone else. So you might see them doing something a little bit sketchy or they make a fool of themselves and you feel embarrassed for them even though it has nothing to do with you at all. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think these are some of German's great untranslatable words that are just so evocative and are, are so lovely to use. I also really like Gemütlichkeit, which is it kind of means something like coziness. It doesn't quite translate to that. It's more the feeling of warmth, um, the feeling of, you know, you're in shelter. It's yeah. a nice one. Yeah, absolutely. What's also quite nice is that a lot of Germans use English words too, don't they? We always hear about Denglish, that kind of mix of Deutsch and English. 
Do you know any Aaron uh, Germans that use English words? So we've actually seen former Chancellor Angela Merkel herself use the word shitstorm uh, in German. <laughs> um, I don't know why that's so funny. It just is. It, it, it is. Um, it's, it's used very specifically, though. Uh, it doesn't just mean like a mess, as we might understand it or something, but it actually means a social media backlash. So you post something that you regret and then suddenly you're piled on uh, on, on social media. That, that in Ger Germans use the word shitstorm to describe this kind of scenario. And Sarah, have you heard any common English words being used recently on the streets? I feel like I hear more and more, but one that sticks out a lot is the word nice, which in English <laughs> is, is quite bland, but in I... Especially the younger generation of Germans, I hear using nice kind of equivalent to cool. Like you just hear, oh, das ist wirklich nice. And yeah, I find that interesting. It's an interesting choice because it's so bland in English. Yeah, <laughs> but it obviously sounds exotic in German. Yeah, it's a good one. Germany's Federal Labour Court recently ruled that employers in Germany should be recording the working hours of their staff. That decision is linked to a ruling in 2019 by the European Court of Justice, which said that firms in EU member states should have systems in place to record how many hours per week employees are working. And after that ruling, we didn't really hear anything about it in Germany at all. But the decision reached by the Labour Court means that this will change. Sarah, can you tell us a little bit more about this story and what it means? Yeah. So following the ECJ ruling in 2019, Germany and all other member states were obliged to incorporate this rule into their own legal systems. But of course, the pandemic came along in early 2020, which meant this was put on ice and nothing has been done since. So when a case reached the German Labour Court this year, which touched on the issue of employees recording working time, the German Labour Court broadened the interpretation of the existing German Occupational Health and Safety Act to include an obligation to record working hours, which is quite complicated, but... Mm -hmm. It effectively means that there's now an obligation to record working hours for all employees of every company in Germany with immediate effect. Wow. Yeah, it's so it's huge and it throws up a lot of questions, especially about how it will affect the millions of people who are now working from home. And it's really down to the federal government to write this up into law to clarify how exactly this will work in practice. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting because a lot of companies have a kind of trust system in place, don't they, where you get your contracted hours and that's what you work and they're not recording it formally. Some companies or, or workplaces will record formally, but this is saying that there has to be a system in place for everyone. And, and what's the reaction so far to this? Well, there's understandably been a mixed reaction. Um, on the one hand, a lot of people see it as a good thing because also since the pandemic, a lot of people are working more from home and thereby also work doing more unpaid hours. Um, so some people are saying that it will be more fair compensation for workers. But then a lot of business leaders are very unhappy about the ruling, saying that it's hasty and it's not well thought out. Some see it as introducing now a significant bureaucratic hurdle for workers and organisations which have previously operated on this kind of trust model of timekeeping. But the upshot of this is really that the German government needs to hurry up and get this written up into law to make the legal situation clear. And you spoke to them, didn't you? last week, I think. And what did they say? Well, yeah, I asked them what stage they're at in terms of writing this up into law. And they told me that they're working on it and that they have to wait firstly for the official, the full ruling from the court first before they can decide how to write it up into law. 
And there'll be different levels of enthusiasm for that within this government, too. We have a traffic light coalition, and the liberal free Democrats will be representing a lot more of the business leaders that Sarah was just talking about who have some skepticism about this ruling. Uh, and then the social Democrats are really more on on the side of the workers when it comes to this. Uh, and they've been looking for any sort of chance to get to talk about exactly this. They'll point out, along with the Greens, that 900 million overtime hours are worked in Germany every year. Not all of that is fairly compensated. Uh, and it's not discussing this isn't even in the coalition agreement that exists between the three parties. So the Social Democrats really have been looking for an excuse to get this in there and pass this into law. And I think they probably have found it. Well, that's one to watch then to see what happens next. The nine euro ticket has been one of the biggest stories of the year in Germany. For the months of June, July and August, people were able to ride the bus or train or tram for just €9 per month. The ticket was valid on public transport networks all over Germany. Um, But sadly, this offer has ended. You know, all the prices went back to the, the full price. But we're now looking towards a successor ticket. Is this going to happen, Sarah? It looks like it will, yes. Um, Last week, the federal transport ministers met and said that they will present plans for a follow-up ticket on October 12th. So we haven't got so long to wait. And the ticket offer that is on the table at the moment is a €49 nationwide ticket. So even though that is clearly much more expensive than the €9 ticket, when you think that an average, say, monthly ticket in Berlin is €80, it's still pretty good value. Yeah, that is really good. And in Berlin, there's going to be a regional ticket, right? Does this cover the full Berlin area? And how much is this going to cost? That's right. So Berlin actually brought in a new ticket on Tuesday, which will cost €29 and cover the AB zone of the city, which is most of Berlin. The C zone is mainly Brandenburg, which is a different state and they couldn't reach an agreement on a, on a ticket that would cover all of the zones so they went ahead with that. The only thing that some people, including myself, might be a little bit disappointed to find out is that this ticket is not, you can't just buy this monthly ticket, it will be deducted from people who have a yearly subscription so you will only benefit from it if you already have a yearly subscription or if you start a new yearly subscription then you will pay only €29 Euros for the months of October, November and December. OK, so you have to have a subscription to use it. And also, I was thinking that it's it's quite a bad deal for people who live in Potsdam, in Brandenburg, because so many people live there and commute into Berlin, and they're not going to be able to take advantage of it. Yeah, it's definitely a bad deal. Um, also, the, the airport in Berlin is, is in Zone C, so some people might be caught out if they, if they have a subscription and they, they occasionally have to go to the airport, they need to bear in mind that they have to get an extra ticket for that. And what did you both think about the €9 Euro ticket? Did you go on any trips around Germany? Well, uh, first of all, it amounted to probably €50 Euros a month in savings or more than that. So that certainly helped when it came to the household budget. But we used it for lakes during the crazy heat that we had here this summer. Uh, I also have a few friends who went a little bit further than me. They went to lakes that were hours away for... Uh, a change of scenery, and they absolutely loved it. We also are seeing a lot of German economists coming out with estimates saying that uh, this ticket uh, by itself uh, could have had a huge effect on keeping inflation down 
uh, over the summer. Fewer people drove, uh, and hotels and tourism operators feeling the pinch got a boost as well. So, so far, we see that it's been a great success for emissions, uh, the economy, and everyday people in general. Yeah, and it really put public transport in the spotlight, right? Definitely. I think that's one of one of the best things about this ticket has been that it's really drawn focus on Germany's need to update its rail infrastructure. Our Germany in Focus podcast is free to listen to, but it's made possible by readers becoming members of the local Germany. If you're not yet a member, you can support us by heading to thelocal.de and subscribing with the reduced rate for podcast listeners at thelocal.de slash podcast offer. Munich's world-famous Oktoberfest, or the Wiesen as it is also known, has returned after two years of being cancelled due to the COVID pandemic. Hundreds of thousands of people have been crowding into tents at the Theresien Visa where it's held and basically drinking a ton of beer and wearing lots of cool outfits. I asked British writer Nick Houghton, who's based in Augsburg in Bavaria, what Oktoberfest is really like and what other festivals in the area he recommends. It's wild. It's. It, I was thinking of comparisons, and and my thought was, it's kind of a little bit. It's a little bit like Disneyland for people who really like beer and Britta and Haxen and <laughs> things like this. It's massive. The scale of it, I think, is something that shocks people. You wrote for us this year about some of the the more the smaller festivals that you think are actually a lot better than Oktoberfest. Are there any in your area that you recommend? Uh, well, we have the Plera in Augsburg, so that's really like a mini Oktoberfest. It has the, the tents and it has the decorations and it has the lederhosen, dindle, dancing on tables, that kind of stuff. But for my my money, it's it's really up in the Nürnberger land where things become more interesting because the, the sort of Nürnberger lands where all the most famous breweries in Bavaria are and it's sort of per square kilometer there's more breweries than anywhere else so you have a more range and you have more difference from Oktoberfest which can be like I said a little bit Disneyland a little bit more commercial they're a little bit more intimate but my recommendation would always be head to sort of Nuremberg before sort of in May June they have a lot of festivals there they have the Erlangen Bergkirk Vi Anna Fest is in Forchheim, I think it is. Uh, there's the Volksfest in Nuremberg, and then there's various Dorffests around the area. And you'll find that you get a very different experience because because it's not as large, it's not as busy. You sort of can sit, get a seat, you can have a few beers, and you can have something to eat. I mean, one of the things I would say about Oktoberfest is that it's worth going to see it once. But I've not felt compelled particularly to go back because for me, if I go to a, a, any kind of fest, where, where, whether it's a, a Weihnachtsmarkt or um, a Dorfest, Volksfest, I want to be able to sit down. And maybe that's just me telling my age, but the older I get, the less inclined I am to stand up for 12 hours and drink. But it's it's a, it's so different at the Oktoberfest because it it's so it's beautiful. That's one of the things that kind of shocks you about Oktoberfest is is how attractive everything looks. If you look at the sort of main tents, they're so beautifully decorated and they've been doing it for so long. I mean, Oktoberfest goes way back to the the start of the 19th century, 
And so a lot of these things have layers and layers of tradition. But then you also have like little bars that, that are for cocktails or shots and things like that. And they're just as beautiful. They look as, as beautiful as, as a traditional Wirtschaft you'd find in a, an old Bavarian village. So the, 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 the scale and the quality is, is, is really there and it's really something to behold. I would recommend everyone to go if they get a chance. Great. So there are many ways to drink beer in Bavaria. <laughs> we can agree. Yeah, definitely. On your head, <laughs> if you wish, you know, on the floor. No, I mean, yeah, it's the choice of beers as well that is always important. So as long as you've got a good beer in hand and you just don't cross the line of five mass. That's the rule. Like if you if you go into that, yeah. I mean, five mass. What's that like? It's 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 a lot of beer to be drinking. Um, five five liters of beer, and they go quickly as well. And also, you've got to be careful because they brew. Every fest does this, but they brew special fest beer. And I've had this argument with people before where they're like, "Oh, it's not that strong." And I, I remember getting a fest beer, and it was I had two before I realized it was seven percent. And you start feeling it really quickly and you're like, oh God. So you do have to be careful because otherwise you end up as a, as a sort of fest casualty on October fest casualty, which I've been before, but, um, and it's worth doing once again, but uh, um, not something you really want to do all the time. Also, I mean, like simple things like choosing which day to go on. If you go on a weekday, you're going to have a much better experience than if you go on a, a weekend. It's always going to be a different experience, but um, if you want the full blast of Oktoberfest, you're probably better going on a Saturday night. But you will see some people who've broken the five mass rule and have headed into the wilderness, you know. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. We're going to turn now to today's main topic and talk about the energy crisis. Today, we're looking at why the German government is worried about going into the colder months, the 300 euro payment from the government and other support, and why people are really thinking hard about how and when to heat their homes. Now, the energy crisis is a huge problem for Germany and other countries right now. Aaron, why is Germany in this particular situation that the government is actually asking people and businesses to cut down on energy consumption? Well, Rachel, before Russia invaded Ukraine in February, Germany was getting over half of its gas from Russia. Gas supplies anywhere between 15 and 25 percent of electricity that's used here, depending on the sector you're talking about. And crucially, as we're going into winter, it heats more than half of German households. Now, that 
amount that I said before, over half of its uh, supplies coming from Russia. That's now down to or was down to about 9% before Russia shut off deliveries. And that's leaving Germany having to secure uh, gas from other sources, such as from Norway or through the liquid natural gas terminals that are being on the north coast um, at the moment. With the supply crunch, that's pushing prices up for both gas specifically and then electricity in general. Um, We did have some good news recently when we heard that Germany's gas storage facilities are just over 90% full. But there are still concerns that there could be a gas shortage this winter. Right. So Germany's gas storage at the moment is enough for about three months of what the country needs. So that could get us through winter. But it depends, again, on a few things. One, of course, is what happens in Ukraine uh, in the conflict there in general, whether the temporary floating terminals that are being built get up and running on time by the end of the year as we uh, as is being projected, whether the government can sign deals for deliveries with other countries like Qatar. Yes, the weather, of course, and also quite crucially, whether we're going to be able to cut our own usage uh, at home or in businesses. So Germany does have a few energy saving rules in place, although households have just been asked to cut down mainly on using gas and electricity, right? Yeah, so households are being asked and encouraged to save uh, energy and gas. For other businesses, there really are hard, fast rules in place. So for shops, you have to turn off your lights at night, for example. Fitness studios or gyms uh, can't have been asked to or told to turn down uh, the heating and things like showers by a degree or two to save on energy as well, for example. So there's a few of those in place. So this is a crucial week for the German government. They are trying to figure out how the country will go into the colder months, how they will deal with the pressure on households with a rising gas and electricity bills. Now, we were going to see a gas levy come into force from October, but that seems to be changing now, right? Right. Originally, the government had planned to pass on about 500 euros a year for the average family in additional costs to the consumer with this gas levy. We've now seen more and more politicians calling for that to be completely scrapped, including politicians that are affiliated with the government, and instead bring in what's called a gas price decal, so a gas price cap. What could a gas price cap possibly look like? So the model that's most likely being discussed by the working group that the government has set up is the idea that you would set a cap on the price of gas and the average family wouldn't pay any more than that cap, but the market price might go up a little bit above that particular cap. Then there's a difference between the market rate and whatever the cap is. The government would then be on the hook to pay whatever that difference was. So when we ask the question of, well, how much might it cost the government, we don't actually know because it depends on what happens with the market price of gas. However, the average family paying gas would not have to pay more under that particular model. So we'll make sure to add any developments on this story to our show notes. Aaron, the German government has put in quite a lot of support so far this year for people. Can you tell us a little bit about what kind of support there is for rising bills? So we've seen three relief packages, and the last one from earlier this month was the biggest. It was 65 billion euros um, out of a total of 100 billion in all three packages they put together. So that means most of the money that we're talking about in relief uh, still has yet to be paid out or is being paid out now 
basically. So this money includes an energy relief payment. It includes one-off payments for pensioners and students. It includes heating allowances, increases to child benefits. We're going to see some additional tax credits for home office uh, because of the increased uh, prices of heating your place while you're working at home, for example, and deductions for pension contributions. So really a lot uh, of support in there, as well as actually a cut to uh, the VAT on the price of gas. So you would normally be paying 19% VAT with your gas bill. These new packages basically mean that we'll now be paying 7% on our gas bills instead. Excellent. Okay, let's talk a bit more about the 300 euro payment because we've had a lot of readers get in touch and ask about this. Sarah, who is getting the 300 euro payment and will people receive the full amount? So the 300 euro payment is basically for everybody in Germany who works or who has worked at some point in 2022. So that includes full-time employees, part-time employees, freelancers, trainees, paid interns. And actually, people who are in full-time employment should have already got their payment. It will have been added to their September pay package. Or if you haven't, then maybe you should talk to your employer. It could also come in your October pay package. But for freelancers, they will have to include that in their tax returns, either quarterly or next year. Okay, so it's getting a lot colder outside now. I've heard from people who are worried about putting on their gas central heating. And we did a poll recently in the local that showed more than 97% of our readers were already taking steps to reduce their energy consumption ahead of the winter. Um, Most people said they were trying to limit their use of hot water. Several people told us they were taking shorter, colder showers and avoiding using hot water while doing their dishes um, or washing their hands. Another reader said she was planning to hold off as long as possible to turn on the heating and she said she would try and wear warm clothing until November at least. Sarah, are you doing anything to prepare for the winter? Are you thinking about the rising costs? Yeah, very much. I would say one big shift that in myself is that I'm, I'm just generally more aware of which things in my house use more electricity than others. Like, for example, in our corridor, we have a long, say, six lights that I now realise take up a lot of electricity. So I try to keep that one off and use other lights. I'm also having less baths, sadly, and also just thinking more about when I really need to turn the radiator on and off. And I also found out recently that it's good to turn radiators on and off as you're using a room rather than leaving it on on a low temperature. Interesting. And Aaron, are you hearing from anyone that they are trying to save energy? Oh, yeah. I think there's a lot of uh, tips and tricks that are good to consider. One is uh, going back to favorite German words, Hausschuhe or house shoes. There, I, I know some people who have bought their first pair. <laughs> um, who have, the slippers. Uh, yeah, the slippers that a lot of Germans wear at home. That's right. And uh, people that I know who haven't had them before have now bought them specifically uh, for this. There's also a few other things uh, that we can consider, even things that we would normally do to save more energy for the environment, for example, are also good to do this winter. So, for example, I've washed my clothes cold for years and then hung them out to dry. That's uh, one measure, for example, that could be effective as well with saving energy. 
And so, of course, like we are thinking about when to turn on our heating this year. But in Germany, a lot of times it's actually not the tenants, if you're in a rented flat, who decide if, when they switch on the heating. Is that right, Sarah? Yeah, that's right. I mean, if you live in rented accommodation in Germany, you're subject to what's called a Heizperiode, a heating period, which usually is from the 1st of October until the following April. And that is when the landlord turns on the central heating. But they can turn it on a little bit earlier if there's, say, three cold days in a row. This year, some people might even be considering not turning their heating on at all. But that's not really a good idea because actually leaving your radiators off can then lead to a buildup of mould or broken pipes. So it's definitely worth bearing that in mind if you're thinking about keeping temperatures low in your apartment this year. Absolutely. So it's advisable to put your heating on when it is cold, but maybe you can put on a jumper when it's not too bad. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's the that's a sensible approach. Yeah, and that's what we're hearing from our readers as well. Do you have any other tips, Sarah, apart from the, the house shoe that we heard? Well, actually, one tip that might seem counterintuitive is to regularly air out your apartment. The good old German practice of Luften, because it actually is good to change the air because then fresh air heats up more quickly. Another thing you can do is also changing your shower head to a water saving model. So you will also then use less hot water. You can also use draft excluders to make sure hot air is not escaping under the doors and out of windows. You can even insulate your own pipes. Um, in hardware stores in Germany, you can get very cheaply insulating materials that you can just stick over exposed pipes. Great. And I personally recommend a hot water bottle just to have on hand. It's very old fashioned, but it's very effective. Sometimes those are the best. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> exactly. And also, if you're Canadian, Aaron, I'm pretty sure that you're going to get through this winter. I'm not worried. <laughs> this is this is nothing like, like back home. <laughs> yep. That's all for this week. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter. Our username is Germany in Focus. And don't forget to rate the podcast on your podcast app. Thank you so much for listening and thank you to this week's panellists, Sarah McGill and Aaron Burnett and sound engineer Reese Edwards. We'll be back again next Friday with a new episode of Germany in Focus. Until then, take care. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.